Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, February 1st. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. Mercedes brings us the latest on the ongoing trucker protest in Ottawa and details of the snap leadership vote aimed at Aaron O'Toole of the Conservative Party. Then we continue our conversation on the protests in the capital. We speak with Gil McGowan, president of the Alberta Federation of Labour. McGowan tells us the trucker rally does not represent the vast majority of his membership. Next, we head to southern Alberta for the latest on the blockade at the Coots border crossing, now in its fourth day. We speak with Global News reporter Heather Urex-West. And finally, today marks the beginning of the Lunar New Year. We hear what's being planned to celebrate the holiday here in Calgary. We're checking in with Ward 7 City Councillor Terry Wong. The spotlight has been on Ottawa over the weekend as the country watched truckers and their supporters flock to what has been called a freedom rally on Parliament Hill. And with the latest on this and yesterday's call for a leadership review of Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole, we are joined this morning, as we are every Tuesday, by Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief Mercedes Stevenson. Hi, Mercedes. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Busy weekend for you, no doubt. Uh, Obviously, you were there front and centre watching the rally go down on the weekend. Uh, What's the current scene on Parliament Hill? How many people and vehicles would you say are still there? Oh, well, there are still certainly, um, I I would say, a few thousand people for sure downtown. Um, I'm looking out my window right now. I live downtown. Um, I live... I won't say exactly where, given some of the feedback we've gotten. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you've seen some of the comments to journalists. Uh, but I, I live within nine blocks of Parliament Hill. I have not been able to drive down my street since Thursday night. Mm. It is completely blockaded. I'm looking out the window right now. It is completely blockaded. Um, and I am not like a block or two. It's substantial. So there is still a significant presence here. Um, it's much smaller than it was on the weekend um and it's sort of a more intense feeling these are the people who have often come a long way to be here and they feel very strongly about what they're here protesting whereas the weekend was sort of uh more of a free-for-all people were kind of in a party mood it was a lot of people from ottawa and around the area who came down for it they all went back to work on monday so this is sort of the smaller more dedicated often from further away group um it has been shrinking the ottawa police say day by day but um i mean downtown ottawa is still impassable to go north-south on a number of the routes. Um, It does seem a little bit more organized yesterday and today. When I look out my window, the trucks are leaving space for people to at least be able to go east-west. That wasn't happening on the weekend, and that was actually a problem for emergency vehicles. You know what, Mercedes? Yeah, all eyes and outside looking, and this was a weekend event. As you mentioned, it's kind of this hangover and continuation. Is there any idea how much longer we can anticipate the rally lasting? Is there any kind of an end game or... You know, is, is, it, is it kind yeah. of open-ended? Good question. Um, there's no end date in sight. It was supposed to be a one-day thing initially on Saturday. It very clearly was starting by mid-Friday. Like, I was just watching people streaming down my street, um, and they were all honking. That's how we knew <laughs> that it wasn't just a, a regular car or semi, that it was part of this uh, protest uh, because it's loud. It's, it's very quiet right now, but it, it's been deafening outside my condo for multiple days when people were honking nonstop. Um, and it is something that they say won't end until their demands are met. Well, the demands are 
kind of amorphous, and it depends who you talk to. Most of them want all COVID restrictions gone. That's not even a federal government purview in a lot mm-hmm. of cases. It's provincial. Right. Um, others say they're not leaving till Justin Trudeau's out of power. That's sort of the more extreme fringe, but there are people who feel that way. Um, but it's very clear based on what Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said yesterday. He is not going to meet with them. He is not going to talk to them. And he's certainly not going to give in to any of the demands that they are making. Um, so the question then becomes, when do people either get sick of sitting here and decide to go home. And the trucks are starting to run out of gas, by the way. They can't move because they've barricaded themselves in in these barricades, and it's been days of running engines. Um, and then the question is, when do the Ottawa police do something? Because they are coming under significant pressure from the local population here who are saying, I can't get to work. Um, vaccination clinics downtown closed. Businesses closed. Um, do something. Get get people out of the streets. They can protest on the hill, but like downtown is locked. Um, and there's no sort of sense of when that might happen. The police chief has said all options are on the table, but he also said police officer safety comes first. And they believe because they haven't gotten confrontational with the protesters, they've been negotiating so far that it's been a success and that that has helped make sure um, that this has been a a protest that didn't turn into a riot or a lot of acts of violence. Mm -hmm. But there's certainly increasing feelings from people downtown who are saying, okay, um, we're now into day five. Uh, At what point do you enforce versus saying we're afraid of instigating? Um, So that, that discussion is really starting to play out in a pretty passionate way in the population of Ottawa. And it feels like, too, even across the country, they're all kind of using that phrase, they're losing the room. Right. Where, you know, everybody can understand the anger, the, the, the reason that most of these people went to Ottawa, the, those that really were behind that. We want these mandates lifted. But now with it slowing everybody down, it's, you know, we're seeing a, a fallout here at the Coots in the at the border here in Alberta. But people are getting a little annoyed now. The fact that they're impeding on everyday life. Yeah. And I think people understand that protesters always. You know, the goal is to make your voice heard, and that might mean disruption. That might mean civil disobedience, where you're breaking the law, but you're not doing so in a violent way. Um, But the frustration here is that this is targeting people who have nothing to do with the government. They just live in downtown Ottawa, Um, and the same in some other places, too. And that's where they start to cross the line between managing to get a lot of attention and maybe losing some folks who say, I'm angry, too, but... um, I've heard people in downtown Ottawa say, I feel like I'm, I'm a prisoner downtown. It's, it's so hard to get in and out. Stores are closed. Um, businesses are closed. I can't get anything done in a normal way. I don't feel comfortable walking down the sidewalk in a mask. So it's sort of crossing that line the longer it goes on with people saying what is reasonable to protest and then what becomes what a lot of downtown Ottawa residents are saying it feels like an occupation. And it was interesting, our Abigail Beeman was out talking to truck drivers yesterday. She's one of our reporters in the Ottawa Bureau. And she said one of them kind of apologized for the noise and the inconvenience and said he felt badly about it, but that they just feel there's no other way to get their voice heard. Mm -hmm. I think their voice is certainly being heard, but the question becomes, if the change isn't coming, how much longer do they keep doing this? And when do police start actually making arrests and potentially uh, start towing vehicles that are violating the law. Interesting question. I guess we'll see how it unfolds. Also, there's something that came up yesterday, late in the day, Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole uh, facing a leadership review. This has been kind of brewing for quite some time, but what was the impetus to really make this happen, Mercedes? What are you hearing? 
Yeah, well, good question. <laughs> it was right as there was a huge fight internally about what to do with the truck protest, which is kind of interesting. Uh, after some Conservative MPs were criticized for being up at it uh, on Parliament Hill, um, one Michael Cooper, of course, from Alberta, um, was doing an interview when someone with a swastika flag went through the background. Mm-hmm. He was criticized for being present. Uh, that radical element there was highlighted. Some folks say that shows you shouldn't be at the protest. Others say not his fault. He was photobombed. That wasn't the majority. Uh, but there was sort of this internal fight over what to do. Do we do we go with the trucker protest because that certainly conservative voters potentially could go PPC? Um, a, a lot of the conservative MPs wondering about sort of their own position on some of the COVID uh, protocols. Or is that a risk? Do you do that? And then some of these unsavory elements come out and the majority of the vaccinated population says, I'm not voting for someone who supported that. Um, and it's been a just emblematic of the split that's inside caucus. I'm not saying that's what caused this, but you could feel the friction around that at this time when I was talking to conservative sources. And now we have the situation where basically a third of caucus is calling for an early leadership review. This has been going around and around for a while. I think Aaron O'Toole finally came to the conclusion um, to just accept it and, and just you know, he's going to fight on his feet, he says, and see what happens. And and that's the big question mark. If he loses this, obviously he's out and he said he'll accept that. Even if he wins it, it's really difficult knowing yeah. a third of your caucus mm-hmm. um, basically stabbed you in the back. And he's going to have to figure out how to handle that. Uh, but it is, it is less a leadership issue when you talk to the folks on both sides. Then their vision, and I'm not saying it's that they, Aaron O'Toole is not a problem for the party or the party's not a problem for him, um, but it's about the vision of what the Conservative Party should be. And there's a huge split within that party about uh, what a Conservative Party in Canada represents, what the values are, what sort of positions they should be taking. Um, and that is manifesting now in this leadership review. Rough road ahead for the Conservatives either way. Thank you so much for breaking it down, Mercedes. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. The trucker rally continues to make headlines. The Alberta Federation of Labour is making it clear that this vocal minority does not represent the majority of hardworking Canadians and Albertans. Joining us this morning is Gil McGowan, President of the Alberta Federation of Labour. Good morning to you, Gil. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Sue. Thanks for the opportunity. Okay, so, I mean, you have a a perspective that uh, those in the rally obviously would disagree with. What's been the response from the workers and the truckers that you represent? Well, as president of the Federation of Labour, I represent about 175,000 working Albertans in, uh, you know, across the province in many different sectors. And uh, the number one uh, response that I'm hearing from our members is that they're horrified, you know, and, and, and partly because on numerous, numerous occasions over the past week, this so-called freedom convoy has been portrayed as an uprising of ordinary Canadian workers, particularly uh, truckers and particularly workers from Alberta. And, you know, what I'm hearing from my members is that that's not, that's not me, right? It's not us. And so I want to make it clear that the people who descended on Ottawa this weekend and, frankly, who continue to essentially occupy the city, they are in no way, shape or form representative of the vast majority of working Canadians or Albertans. Um, the workers who I know uh, and represent, are they're at work today. <laughs> they're not intimidating innocent citizens or rubbing shoulders with known white supremacists and other extremists. Instead, they're doing what they always do. They're uh, providing health care, uh, educating our children, making our cities and municipalities work, 
producing and moving goods, working on construction projects, stocking shelves, basically all the things that uh, the, that we need to have done to make the economy run. And um, and I also want to point out that the vast majority of our members continue to support measures to save lives uh, by reducing the spread of COVID. Um, and, you know, yes, like everyone else, we're all tired of pandemic uh, uh, restrictions and the measures that have been taken to end the pandemic. But uh, the workers I know uh, understand that it's dangerous to pretend that the virus doesn't exist or that we can simply wish it away. You know, so and if you want to talk about freedom, there's there's really not going to be any freedom uh, as long as COVID continues to you know ravage our communities and our economy. Gail, to that point, when you talked about you know the views of, of some of your members, let's dig down specifically uh, vaccine mandates. Uh, yeah. What are the thoughts? Is that is that what you're referring to? Yeah, I mean, listen, as a society, we already accept uh, many reasonable limits and restrictions on our freedom. So, you know, we don't have the right to drive down the wrong side of the road. We don't have the right to, you know, break our neighbor's window with a bat, baseball bat because they're playing their music too loud. And, and frankly, we also accept that jobs sometimes require us to do things that we might not otherwise do. I mean, take the example of truckers. I mean, they, they can't be a trucker unless they have a class one license. And the reality is that we've, we've always had a lot of jobs that require people to, to, to take vaccines, you know, measles, mumps, rubella, diphtheria, hepatitis, uh, polio, chickenpox. I mean, there's lots of jobs, but you know, we're in a, we're in a pandemic and the public health authorities say, have told us, the scientists have told us that the best way, perhaps only the only way to get a handle on this is to get as many people vaccinated as possible. So, um, you know, uh, many employers have adopted these mandates and most workers are accepting them. And, 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 and that's not an understatement. Like we represent, as I said, 175,000 workers here in Alberta in sectors ranging from healthcare and education on one hand to construction and oil gas on the other hand and uh virtually all the uh, employers where our members work have implemented workplace mandates and 95 percent of our members have willingly taken the shots uh because they understand that this is what responsible citizens do to help get a hold of, of the pandemic and i would point out that you know like we basically all the big oil companies in in alberta suncor Syncrude, canadian natural they all require their their workers up in the camps um and other projects to have to be double vaccinated and you don't see our construction workers uh downing tools and jumping in their trucks and driving to ottawa they just they're they're adults. They 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 know they see why this is being done. They have a job to do. They get the shots and they go to work. And and, so, and that's that's one of the things I want to say. I mean, this this rally is being organized not by truckers or workers. It's being the two lead organizers, Pat King, who is a known white supremacist and Western separatist, Tamara, Tamara Licht, who has raised nine nine million dollars on this GoFundMe campaign. They're grifters, and they're appropriating the voice of working people to create a platform for extremist views, and we shouldn't let them get away with it. Thank you so much for your perspective on it, Gil. Always appreciate chatting with you. Thanks for your time. Okay, thanks, Sue. Take care.
blockaded a busy southern Alberta border crossing is now entering its fourth day. Protesters have barricaded the Coots border crossing connecting Alberta and Montana since Saturday. Protesters are angry about vaccine mandates and other COVID-19 measures, but the RCMP have said that this is an illegal protest and traffic needs to begin moving through the border again soon. Heather Urex West is in Coots, Alberta and joins us now. Heather, of course, a Global TV reporter. Good morning to you, Heather. Good morning. Uh, can you give us an update, a lay of the land? What's the situation there this morning, Heather? Yeah, I can tell you that there are certainly far fewer trucks here at the Coots border crossing than we saw at the height of the protest on the weekend. But there are, uh, you know, several dozen trucks parked here at the border crossing. Uh, you know, lots of Canadian flags, um, signs about freedom. I'm reading one that says freedom rules, no fear. Protesters that have just dug in their heels and are refusing to leave. And as a result, as you mentioned, no traffic has been able to cross this border since Saturday. Uh, I can tell you that yesterday I spoke with some protest organizers and they told me that they would not be leaving until all vaccine mandates and COVID restrictions were rescinded, that life returned to the way it was in in 2019. However, RCMP, uh, their goal is to get traffic flowing again. This is an illegal protest, they say. And uh, yesterday they uh, were hopeful that they could be um, reach a peaceful settlement. They had been negotiating with with uh, protest leadership all day. But then I can also tell you that late yesterday, Alberta RCMP sent out uh, two tweets uh, letting us know that those negotiations just were not going well, that they had hoped that they would find a path forward, but protesters were not complying. So that brings us to today. What happens next? I'm not sure. We do know that RCMP have some new tools at their disposal, uh, especially here in Alberta. Alberta passed uh, the um, Critical Infrastructure Defense Act in 2020. And that means that uh, protesters found to be blocking infrastructure, like a border crossing, could be fined $25,000 or given a six-month jail sentence. So some pretty stiff penalties. And uh, at this point, we're just waiting to see, you know, what the RCMP does next, what protesters do next. It's, it's a standoff, but uh, as we've been told, uh, the, this blockade cannot be allowed to uh, continue much longer. Heather, have you heard from any truckers? Because uh, we certainly have been hearing comments that, you know, they, suppri- that they support, you know, a right to protest, but that this now is impeding their rights and freedoms with hundreds of loads of fresh Alberta beef and fruit and produce and that sort of thing now sitting there because this illegal protest is stopping them from doing their jobs. Yeah, so I can tell you that when we arrived yesterday morning, tempers were flaring. Um, right away, uh, a trucker came and pulled me aside and said, come, come talk to us. And, and there was a group of truckers and, and, you know, we were chatting and I asked them if they had anything to do with this protest. And they said, no, we have been stuck here for three days our, with our loads. We just want to get our, our job done and we're being held hostage, essentially. As we were talking, one of the protesters, one of the truckers got so angry that he actually had a, had a pipe and he, he was threatening to, to smash some windows. So at that point, we, we got RCMP involved and and negotiations kind of continued through the afternoon. And by Monday afternoon, the protesters were moving their trucks and allowing these trapped truckers unaffiliated with the protest to take a back road back to Calgary. They were not allowed to, to cross the border. So that somewhat of a resolution. However, we know that Canadian Meat Council, 150 loads of Alberta beef, all of these these things are not getting to where they need to go. And we also know that while these truckers on this side of the border were allowed to return home yesterday, there are other truckers on the Montana side that are 
they're still trapped because no traffic is coming through the border. So, you know, a lot of really frustrated people waiting for a resolution here. Interesting point when you mentioned the other side of the border, Heather. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. That is Heather Yorex West, global news reporter, and uh, she's down at the Coots border crossing. 2022 is the year of the tiger. And with the details on how the Lunar New Year is being celebrated around our city, we're joined now by Ward 7 City Councilor Terry Wong. Very good morning to you, Councilor Wong. Gung Hei Fa Choi. How I was going to say Gung Hei Fa Choi, but I wanted to make sure I was saying it correctly. <laughs> Perfectly. Uh, let, let's talk about the Lunar New Year and the Year of the Tiger. What's happening today in the city and in the next couple of weeks that Calgarians can do to celebrate? For sure. So in the Chinese uh, tradition, we celebrate Chinese New Year's over 14 days, starting with yesterday and Chinese uh, New Year's Eve. We brought in a line dance down to City Hall and uh, brought you know great uh, greetings and fortunes to the uh, city. Today is the day where we uh, basically will spend the time with family. Uh, yesterday with a big dinner and, and uh, gathering with family. And uh, over the next 14 days, uh, venturing, visiting friends and uh, visiting Chinatown for a number of the different exhibits. Terry, is the Year of the Tiger particularly special? Uh, you know, it's every year. Each of the 12 uh, Zodiacs are special, but the Year of Tiger in particular is uh, is known as the King of All Beasts. and It's a uh, third of uh, the Zodiac animals, and it's one that uh, demonstrates courage, assertiveness, and uh, they're great leaders. Let's back it up, Terry, because you mentioned uh, that you, uh, with family, enjoyed some food last night to, to recognize the Lunar New Year. That's where I live, food. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, any particular traditional dishes we should be sampling to get into the, you know, uh, you know Lunar uh, uh, New Year spirit, or is it is anything a uh, game? Well, anything's game, but, you know, most particularly in uh, Chinese uh, dinners, we'll have a fish, and, and uh, when you say uh, fish in Chinese, it uh, basically means, uh, you know, surplus, an abundance of you know, good wealth, so fish is uh, always good. Uh, what we call longevity noodles, or, you know, um, uh, how to say, um, you know, fried noodles, basically, mm-hmm. is another, another one of these uh, must uh, on the table. Let's talk also, I, I remember in high school, one of my teachers, one of my favorite teachers of all time, Mr. Chi, gave us uh, a little red envelopes. Tell us the significance of the little red envelopes to, to celebrate the new year. Yeah, the little red envelopes are, are what we call hongbao in Chinese. It's uh, typically given by you know, the seniors, uh, the seniors in our household, to the to the younger. So, so in other words, I would give it to my children, to my nieces and nephews. And uh, what's usually contained is a little bit of a little bit of uh, um, you know, uh, coins and a piece of candy or something like that. And that's basically to uh, give them uh, prosperity for the year. Terry, is there a good place for us here in the city to to figure out all the Lunar New Year celebrations that are going on in Calgary and, and how we can access and have some fun with them? For sure. Well, there's three things I would suggest. The first off is head on down to Chinatown, and uh, uh, the Chinatown Business Improvement Area has put up their ice sculptures again uh, for the fourth year in a row. Uh, there's uh, three different tigers and uh, one bear and uh, one phoenix, and, and they've done a really good job this year. It's much larger than it has been in the past. The Chinese Cultural Center is demonstrating lanterns on the west side of the Cultural Center, and uh, again, local artists have also put in some other uh, um, displays up there. And certainly get out uh, get out to the local restaurants and each of the restaurants would do something different special for uh, in dining uh, in dining specialties wonderful and i just found actually avenue calgary's put together a great list of everything going on for lunar new year in calgary so avenuecalgary.com thank you so much for joining us terry appreciate your time okay thanks sir. take care thank you terry wong okay. is at ward seven city councillor talking about the year of the tiger lunar new year begins today thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast 
Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 5:30 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.